this afternoon in the 59th chapter of Isaiah, talking about injustice, social injustice. And we had read about the iniquity of Israel or what Judah was doing. One of the reasons God wasn't listening at their prayers. Uh, they had a warped view of judgment and justice, which they supposed to have been doing. Uh, reading that whole chapter. I'm just going to read a few verses this afternoon to get us started. Verse 8, The way of peace they have not known, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them eroded paths. Whoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Therefore is judgment far from us. Neither do, do justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold, obscurity for brightness. But we walk in darkness. We grope for the walls like a bl- like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noon, day as in the night. We are desolate places, dead men. We roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none for salvation. But it is for all from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, as, and as for iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and, and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the, word, and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, a judgment is turned away backwards, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departed from evil, making himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment, no intercessor. So, we see here the corrupt status of man in his situation. They were liars and treacherous, and it's something that they even knew that uh, them within the midst of them. It's it's almost a mirror image of our day and time as it was during the time of Amos. Even though the nations around them were wicked and corrupt and doing evil, Judah themselves, God's people supposedly, were just as corrupt and no justice was found among them. And we know that that's one thing that God holds us to, is justice, of being just. Justice more commonly in the Old Testament is associated with righteousness. The word justice is associated with righteousness. Uh, and it's used some 60 to 70 times in the Old Testament. I don't think it's used once in the New Testament, but it's used as the term righteousness in the New Testament. It's used righteousness, righteous. And we see that some people change, some that are within the church and some that are within society won't change. In the book of Revelation, one of the last thing that it says in the book of Revelations, he that is unjust, let him remain unjust. He that is unrighteous, let him remain unrighteous. 
the Bible highly condemns injustice because, as I told you, the word justice is associated with righteousness in which we should be righteous, and God condemns any injustice, anything that's not justice. It's against the words of God. Deuteronomy, the 16th chapter, the 19th verse. We're going to look at some verses today Just has that has to do with justice and doing justice and how we may be to conduct ourselves within a society where social injustice is so prevalent. How do we get along and what's, what should the church be doing? So it's, we have to be prudent and have wisdom and understanding. But I think this is one of the cases where we, what Paul was talking about, that we have to save ourselves from this untoward generation uh, to save ourselves, and it's a situation of salvation to ourselves. Deuteronomy 16, chapter 19, verse says, You shall not distort justice. You shall not be partial, and you shall not take a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. You shall pursue justice and only justice, that which is uncompromisingly righteous. That's what you should be pursuing. You should pursue righteousness. That That's something that's like a command telling us it, that's what we seek is righteousness. That That's what our life should be consumed with. He says, so that you may live and take possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Um, the living version says, appoint judges and administrators, officials for all the cities the Lord your God is giving you, they would administer justice in every part of the land. Never twist justice to benefit a rich man and never accept bribes. For the bribes blind the eyes of the wises and corrupt their decisions. Justice must prevail. That is the only way you will be successful in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So one of the keys to success God had given them and that is to pursue justice, to, to remain just and upright in the Lord, and that should define our character. Who we are is one that is upright, or just in the Lord's sight. Mm, yes. Deuteronomy twenty four sixteen through seventeen says, "The father shall not be put to death for the sins of the children, neither shall the children be put to death for their fathers, for only his." Own sin shall anyone be put to death. You shall not pervert the justice due a stranger or an offering, nor seize an impound or widow's garment as security for a loan. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. there. Therefore, I'm commanding you to do this. This has ramifications of what's going on in our land today. And Ezekiel talking about each man is accountable for his own sin, that if the fathers had eaten sour grapes, that the children's teeth wasn't set on edge because of that. It was due to the children's sin. I was reading in the paper, I heard it on the news, or I seen it on the internet or something. Wherefore, they carried out this judgment in Wisconsin or Michigan or something, 
where they found the mother. I don't know if they tried the father yet or not guilty of manslaughter for killing her son carried out. But this is what has happened in the nation today. Mankind has become so wicked and evil, so afraid and so fearful that they're making unjust laws. Uh, the, the mother shouldn't have to pay for the child's sin. If her son killed someone and did all of these things, they shouldn't put her in jail for manslaughter. I think this is a gross miscarriage of justice and that that's one of the na- reasons the nation has to fall. A nation has to give account before God, and that's what he's telling us about judgment here. That's why I say we can't go along with national sins or the things a nation is doing just because we're part of that nation. God's going to hold the whole nation accountable, but each man has to give account to God for his own sin. We must remember that we can't follow the crowd mentality that everybody's doing or whatever. That doesn't fly in God's economy of judgment. The consequences may be national, but the judgment is direct. Each man has to give account for the deeds done in his body. So that, that's why it says don't go along with the crowd to commit a crime or do something just because everybody says this. That, that doesn't make it right because everybody's doing it. Psalm 82 is about unjust judgments being rebuked. That's one of the reasons I told you national Israel and Judah failed. The divided nations, both of them failed because their judges and their religious leaders and their households wasn't carrying out proper judgment before God, which each individual is accountable to God for. Let's read the whole psalm, the whole 82nd psalm. Uh, of God, and it's about unjust judgments. It says, God stands in the divine assembly. He judges among the gods, in other words, among the judges, among the leaders, and everything, because that's the one where we see the scriptures. He says, Because ye are gods, in other words, you're in the place of gods, and your decisions or judgments represent God, yes. God's dealings. Because we were made in his image and his likeness. So not only do we carry the likeness of God, our image, our characteristics should be should mirror that of God. That's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was the express image of the Father. It says, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Vindicate the weak and fatherless do justice and maintain the rights of the afflicted and destitute. Rescue the weak and needy and rescue them from the hand of the wicked. The rulers do know, the rulers do not know, nor do they understand. They walk on in darkness and are complacent. All the foundations of the earth, it is that is the fundamental principles of administration of justice are shaken. You remember when we were talking about the foundations being shaken? Yes. Not only are the foundations are being shaken, they're going to be torn apart. Anything that's not built upon the foundations of Jesus Christ shall not last. It shall not endure. 
That's why we have to dig our lives deep into Christ and make sure it's rooted up on that chief cornerstone. No matter what everybody else is doing, no matter what the family members are doing, no matter what the rest of the nation, the churches are doing, we have to make sure we're right. Make sure you have a hope and you stand fast in that hope. It says, I said, you are gods. Indeed, all of you are the sons of the Most High. Nevertheless, you will die like men and fall like any one of the princesses. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you belong for you to all belong all the nations. So all of them belong to God, and God will judge them all, and maybe more harshly those that know the word of God, those to know the do good and not do it will be beaten with many more stripes. I've also included the living version in there. Um, the living version said, God stands up to open heaven's court. He pronounces judgment on the judges. How long will you judge? You, re, you judges refuse to listen to the evidence. How long will you show shower special favors upon the wicked? Give fair judgment to the poor, the afflicted, the fatherless, the destitute, Rescue the poor and helpless from the grasp of evil men. But you are so foolish and so ignorant because you are in darkness. All the foundations of society are shaken to the core. Have you called? I have called you all gods and sons of the Most High. But in death you are mere men. You will fall as any prince, for all must die. And he's not saying all as those that have eternal life in him. We have to give account for our actions, and everyone will be judged by the judgments of God. Proverbs 29 and 27 says, An unjust man is an abomination unto the just, and he that is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. That is, vice versa. Let's read it in the Amplified. An unjust man is repulsive to the righteous, and he who is upright in the way is repulsive to the wicked. You remember I told you there were two seeds in the earth and yes. that they're incompatible. One is carnal and one is spiritual, trying to please God. They're fighting a different fight. They see things in a different way. The analogy of them both is different. And so that's why Cain killed evil, Abel, because Cain was wicked and a righteous man's good deeds show up but evil man's wicked deeds. Remember Joseph's brothers tried to kill him and sold him into slavery? That's because the world doesn't really like a do-gooder. It shows them up. And that's why in relationships and I tell you sometimes divorce has to come about, separations has to come about, divisions come about in homes and among siblings and among all the people because the two are necessarily incompatible. Yes. Um, some, If you have brothers and sisters that are not right, that are evil, they're not going to like you because you're righteous. You're different from them. You, you, you attempt to do good and you want to do good. Uh, a lot, and I, I hope you've seen this throughout and realized in the world and but it's an impossible task that you're trying to do. You're trying to reconcile opposites in which God had put enmity between the two. 
That's why I say we have to learn how to cope with the wickedness and evil in the world. And some go about trying to change the world. And that's why they, some of them give up hope or some of them feel such a struggle or whatever because you're doing impossible tasks that hardly will the rich man or person that's worldly enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's not impossible. God does save so. There shall be some saved from the fire. But just as the Pharisees, just as uh, he had chosen Judas who was a devil, this is that person's fate, F-A-T-E. That's their destiny. That's what God had created them for. Just as he told Pharaoh, he had created Pharaoh to be taken and destroyed. We're in a battle, and and that's what we're trying to get people to see, and that's why we have to come into the assembly and learn the word of God and coping with the social injustices in society. I don't know if I have it where we could do it right now. But Solomon, seeing this in the book of Ecclesiastes and talked about it, about how the world is wicked and evil, and there's no help, no re- recuperation for the world. People be talking about a great revival or whatever. There may be a great preaching and teaching where a lot of a remnant of God's people be saved, but the world is under condemnation. There's no help for the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, but it was so that a select few out of the world that believe on him should be saved. But the world is destined for destruction and return to what it is. There's no utopian society that's going to rise out of this it's only a new creation that Jesus Christ himself shall bring about where his government is the final government so you can forget about American government uh, making America great again that's a misnomer Mm -hmm. that's not going to happen Psalm I mean Proverbs 31 4 through 5 it says and Lemuel, it is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink. Otherwise, they drink and forget the law and its decrees and pervert the rights and justice of all the afflicted. This is Proverbs 31, it addressed to King Lemuel, and no one knows who King Lemuel is. We can't find that, and a lot of people try to contribute all of the Proverbs to Solomon, but it's nowhere where it says or where we can find out that Solomon was called King Lemuel. But this King Lemuel was talking, and he was talking about his mother's instructions. Mm, And Bathsheba was far from a virtuous woman. So all the women that follow this and talk about Proverbs, virtuous, virtuous woman and all this, she wasn't the virtuous woman. She luridly, and a lot of people say, she knew what she was doing when she attracted David, when David slept with Bathsheba or whatever, and what happened with Bathsheba and David. So this is not Solomon talking about his mother Bathsheba. Uh, that's, I guess I, I would just have to say that's maybe opinion or what I understand, just like, a lot of people are under an impression that they believe Paul didn't write the book of Hebrews. 
but we just have to study God's word. We know it's all scripture, that it's all the word of God. Solomon did write Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 3.16 says, And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment, that wickedness was there in the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. So there goes Solomon, the book of vanities, Ecclesiastes, all is vanity. And he was talking about that it's a vanity and vexation of spirit, but he had an under the world, uh, under the sun mentality, and he viewed the world from a way looking toward that which labor under the sun and not from God. Sometimes he'll put things about God in it, but from the perspective he was looking at it from the world of point of view, it was all vanity and vexation of spirit and that the whole world was corrupt. Yes. And we know that the world is corrupt. Uh, he says, moreover, on the living, it says, it says, moreover, I noticed that throughout the earth, justice is giving way to crime and even the police courts are corrupt. That's because men tend to corruption and depravity and that without God, that's where society comes into and that's where we're at in this found and last and evil days, the wickedness, the prevailing of such wickedness. Luke, the 16th chapter of Luke in the 10th verse says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much, and he who is dishonest in a very little thing is also dishonest in much. For small things matter. No, unless you are honest in small matters, you won't be honest in larger ones. If you cheat even a little, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. Mm. Also, we see in the scriptures, as I was telling you about being impartial, God requires impartiality on our behalf. Partiality is forbidden, and a lot of us direct this toward the law courts or judges or rulers in power, uh, pastors or certain things. But it also, a lot of people have contributed to say Jacob seemed like he was partial to Joseph. Hmm. Some of his children, Esau and and with Esau and uh, Jacob, Rachel was partial to Jacob and Isaac was partial to Esau that that they had a favorite child or whatever. Well, Scripture doesn't teach that we should have favorite children or whatever. It may be children that you may see or understand a little bit different from others, but to be impartial in any way. People during Paul's time had partiality according to pastors and preachers, and he taught, Paul said that was a division. Some say I'm of Apollos, some say I'm of Cephas or Paul. Some people, even right now today, they follow certain preachers, certain teachers because of the personality of the preacher or whatever. But that can be a problem. Partiality can be a problem. Partiality is forbidden. According to Leviticus 19 and 15, it says, Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor the honor of the mighty. But in righteousness shall you judge thy neighbor. Just because someone is poor doesn't mean that you show deference to that person. Wrong is wrong and righteous is righteous. It says you shall not do injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to show 
poor church to the poor and a short preference for the great. I told you I, I was helped some people that sometime that hands less or whatever. This young man that comes by and he usually asks for a drink of water. He said, can I get a drink of water out of your hose pipe or whatever? Can I just get a drink of water or whatever? Well, today I was in there doing something, trying to finish in a hurry or whatever. I was hoping I wasn't just being short, but I've addressed this on several different occasions or whatever to him. And he came and knocked and asked for some water or something. And I was trying to tell him, I was trying to tell him, you know, you don't have to knock and disturb me to ask for a drink of water at the water hydrant or whatever that you can just come up and get a drink of water out of the water hydrant when you pay us, you know, you could just freely get it. And I was trying to tell him that, but he was walking off and saying, to, and I said, well, look, I'm trying to talk to you. I'm trying, but I'm busy. I'm doing this or whatever. So he made me tell him, look, don't come here no more. In other words, the way you address, I try to talk to you. Sometime he come by, I try to tell him something. He's walking away, not listening and saying different things or whatever. Well, just because you're a poor person doesn't mean that I won't get on you just as fast as I get on a wealthy or great person. A lot of people do that because of the way women or men look Mm -hmm. to this girl that was working at the store with my, I don't want to get too specific about it, but they dress in certain manners or whatever, and this manager, she was trying to catch the attention of or whatever. I don't know if he was saying anything or not, but somebody else said something to her, and she got upset or whatever. Well, you didn't dressed up to catch fish where the fish you was trying to catch wasn't biting, so another fish bit off, and then you get upset at him or whatever. Well, if you was being provocative or whatever, you should have maybe dismissed it or if you, however you was handling that. I don't know if he was disrespectful in the way he was doing it or whatever. But sometimes because some people are, are look fat uh, a, a certain way, you talk to them any kind of way. But if it was a nice-looking person, if it was, you understanding what I'm saying? Just because how someone look or what they have. James talks about that in James, the second chapter of James, the fourth verse, where it says, Are ye not partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Have you not discriminated among yourself and become judges with wrong motives? Judging a man by his wealth shows that you are guided by wrong motives. Just because he drove a Cadillac or a Rolls Royce or some fancy vehicle up here. You tell him to park here or whatever, whereas you tell the other guy, look, you parked him on that old raggedy car back here. Certain people that dress in a certain way come up to the front of the church. You said here that Jane says you was having respect to the wealthy or to those that seem to have something or material goods that they can sit in a certain place or do something or whatever. You know, that the, the poor person, someone you discriminate about. Oh, no, y'all ugly girls. Y'all, y'all stay at the back. Y'all wash the cars. But we're going to let the good-looking women stand out here and hold the signs or whatever to lure somebody in with. Well, aren't you being partial? Ain't that's going to hurt that other person's feeling that you chose her to wash cars or something where she chose her to stand out and be a... And it's always... That's, that's what happened on commercials and things. You have women selling products and... We'll have the Super Bowl today. And, and so partiality is the problem, and, and that creates a problem with, in society. 
And God says, that's a sin. That, that's a weight that besetches us. In the book of Job, the 13th chapter of Job in the 10th verse, he says, he will surely reprimand you if you secretly show partiality. If you show deference to certain people or certain situations that you prefer one over another. And the reason I'm homing in on these scriptures and trying to tell us this, in the New Testament age, that's what, when God says, you, in the Old Testament, in the book of Micah, says, you know what required of you to do justly, to love mercy, to show judgment, to, to live humbly before the Lord. In other words, this is what the church should be teaching you. This should be ingrained into you that the word should wash you of these. If you wash by the word, God quickens you according to his word. That's what makes you alive. That's what gives you life because all his commandments are righteousness. They are righteous. That's what his character is. So that's what our character should be. You should become the embodiment of the word. That's what Jesus was. The word became flesh. The word was God. The word was with God and the word became flesh. So we should be the word. That's how we should live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So if this is in the word of God, we should know these things. And these are the things that strengthened us and equipped us to live a better life. It's married to our bones. It makes us spiritually strong. It's like a young man, you know, I, I got a grandson, two grandsons. One's younger than the other one, but the other one, you can grab him by the shoulders and touch him or whatever. You can see that he's physically stronger, physically stouter than the other one. Well, that's how it is with the Word of God. People can understand. That's why they looked at Jesus and they say, he preaches the word with authority and with power. If you hypocritical, you don't believe in what you say, you might have a physical presence like Apollos had, but something is lacking spiritual. Spiritual strength was lacking. We talk about Samson a lot, but I'm I'm about to get off on a rabbit trail. Malachi 2, 9-4, 2 and 9 says, Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people, according as you have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. He's talking to the priests. He's talking to the people. Not that God made this because in a, in a rudimentary way of God had chose this. No, it's because of what you have done to his laws. You have done baseness in his laws you have been partial to his laws in the living version it says so i have made you despised and abased before all people just as you are not keeping my ways but are showing partiality to the people in the administration of your law you're not doing right so i'm not gonna do right by you i'm gonna bring you down i'm gonna weaken you i'm gonna cause the people to despise you because of what you're doing to my word. To do damage to God's word is to try to do damage to God. Not that we can damage God. Mm. But if you like David and he told David, David, because you've done this, you've caused my name to be blasphemed. In other words, because you're the king of Israel, mm. 
you are representative of who I am. You've caused people to speak of blaspheming my name. This has gotten out all over the kingdom. The blaspheming my name. Now, I put away your sin, but the sword will never leave your house. In other words, the consequences of you doing this sin with Bathsheba. So, you know, I don't know how many people looked at her in a certain way. I don't know how Solomon looked at his mother after this or whatever, because Solomon is named beloved of the Lord. Jedidiah, in a lot of places, they call him Jedidiah. God loves Solomon, but he killed the first child. See, so the makeup of who we are or what we are after our conversion goes into us being just. And that's how he says he justified in Jesus Christ. He puts us in right standing. He sta- he sticks, puts us in right stead. In other words, he's washed away all the other things. Now we have to live a certain way. Amen. He justified us. So there's no condemnation to those in Jesus Christ. So he wiped our history. Mm-hmm. David's history was wiped. But the consequences of his sin, the consequences dealing with those. First Timothy 5.21, this is about, he was talking to the preachers and the people about preachers, but as I said, what he say to one, he say to all. Yes. And preferential treatment to some preachers. And this has happened in the Catholic Church with some of the clergy or whatever, and they move them around after the sexual abuse and with the altar boys and with the abuse of sexual abuses in the Catholic Church. First Timothy five twenty one says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another and doing nothing by partiality. You can't decide in priests or preachers and saying, well, this one, we just going to move him to another parish, but this one we may have to put out the priesthood that we select to do these things or whatever. You have to select and judge on an impartial basis, even if the preacher your friend. Some preachers, uh, I remember Tony Perkins was saying about the former President Trump when the people were talking about him committing adultery and how many times he had been married thing and his relationship with Stormy Daniels or whatever, and Tony Perkins laughed and casually. Now, this is the head of Focus on the Family of the Family Group, some family group in Washington, but he jokingly says, well, we'll give him a mulligan on that. A mulligan is a do-over, just a thing. He casually dismissed this, whereas... The Republicans was the lead ones that kept saying when Clinton did what he was doing, that character does matter. Now you've allowed all of your moral ethics and things to go, and that's what shows the nation. That's why I say of the presidential choice we have, I think one of the only reasons the people are going with Biden now with his age and everything is because of the other choice that you have. Yes. This nation has to fall. It's moral contemptible if we having this kind of individual to be able to run, to be able to a criminal, his criminality, whether he's convicted or not, with criminal behavior before our children, this is what our children would follow. Yes. You have to have a leader that you can hold up, and that's why Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. 
So if he doesn't respect justice and the law, who who will? What in our nation, if he make a mockery of our judges and our court system? That means that's what Jesus was saying. That's what Isaiah was saying. Justice standing outside the street. It's not allowed to enter in. Our courts are corrupt. The law at its basis form is corrupted. The senators and representatives, so many are resigning now because they realize they're on a fool's errand. It's moral contemptuous, and it, they have to be morally debased and by le- being led by this scapegoat, this Judas goat. You only go, go further and further down the pit because it's corrupted through and through. Only can go further in corruption. First uh, Timothy Living Version says, I solemnly command you in the presence of God and the Lord Jesus Christ and of the holy angels to do this, whether the pastor is a special friend or yours or not. All must be treated exactly the same. For those that sin, you rebuke them openly. Uh, Bill Cassidy had an editorial in the paper the other day about what's going on with the closed primary laws that they're trying to introduce and that they want to have closed primaries and they're willing to spend, I didn't know how many, was it a hundred something million dollars, $140 billion or something, have closed primaries in the state of Louisiana, which didn't work, which only go affect 28 elected officials, whereby how much it costs to have elections and You'll have precincts where people just sitting around. You got 10 or 15, 12 people working on election day, and you only have 100 people or 70 people come in to vote. Mm-hmm. You have election behind election. Yes. It, but it's all behind partiality. Yes. It's all behind one, one viewpoint. So the whole system is corrupt, yep. and that's what Solomon gets that about a corrupt system. The whole system is corrupt. The world system is corrupt. That's why Jesus condemned and says the world is condemned, and he has to destroy the world and start over with a new creation, a new heaven, and a new earth where he's the government. Yes, it's Lord. the government of Jesus Christ. America is not the government of Jesus Christ. It's not a Christian nation. It was founded with some Christian principles or whatever, but even it was by flawed men. The men were flawed themselves. We're more or less a hypocritical nation. We are required to do justly, Micah 6 and 8. He says, he had showed thee, O man. What is good and what doeth the Lord require thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? That's why the apostles was put to death. That's why Jesus was put to death. If you do righteous, you're not a friend of the world. If you're a friend of God and you cannot love the world if you're God's people because you're doing what pleases God and the world sees that as being an enemy. He has told you, O man, Amplify says, what is good and what does the Lord require of you except to be just and to love and diligently practice kindness, compassion, and to walk humbly with your God, setting aside any overblown sense of importance of self-righteousness. So Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter, eight verse says, 
He says, if you see the oppression of the poor, this is where I was telling you Solomon was talking about the wholeness of society, life under the under the sun. Yes. This is the under the sun view that all governments, the world is corrupt. He says, if you see the oppression of the poor and the denial of justice and righteousness in a providence, do not be shocked at the sight of corruption. For a higher official watches over another official, and there are higher ones over them, looking out for one another. After all, a king who cultivates the field is an advantage to the land. The folly of riches. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with gain. This too is vanity, vexation of spirit. When good things increase, those who consume them increase. So what advantage is there to their owners except to see them with their own eyes? The sleeping of a working man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of greed of riches who hungers even more will not let him sleep. Sometimes you can't sleep for worrying about riches and wealth and the things of the world and getting more. Uh, Matthew 29 and 21 it's an important truth to understand what we're talking about here in Ecclesiastes when Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler and he came to him and says, what must he do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give it to the poor and your treasure and, and, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the Man heard these sayings, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Surely I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Anything in this earth that we truly treasure can potentially influence us to increase our fear of losing it as to cause us to choose not to not hear Christ. Yes, How many has wanted the power and wealth of say the presidential in this present presidential election mm -hmm. to hold on to that position of power? How many people that went to jail and stormed the Capitol and did for their way of life, not hearing Christ and his righteousness, not hearing what Christ saying, sell what you have. In other words, not the taxes. They fight against about taxes and ways of life and all this. How can you inherit the kingdom of God? That's why it says the violent taking it by force. It's hard to enter in because the things that you treasure and possess, they possess you. You don't possess them. And these were idols in the people's life. They were holding on to these things at the detriment of their soul being corrupted. They was giving out bribes. They was doing all sorts of things where the whole nation was working social injustice. It was so much oppression going on that their eyes was turned away from all of the things that God's word tells us of what Christ was saying to inherit eternal life. Yes. Uh, 
their political leaders and uh, ordinary citizens greedily watch over one. He's a representative, and he's then stolen away money or whatever, but come to find out that the judge that should be watching this, he's corrupted also. The program that they had instituted at the higher level or whatever, uh, here in Louisiana, we had a couple of hundred billion, maybe a few billion dollars surplus. The surplus of the state when John Bell Edwards left out of office in January, when he turned it over. But due to accounting practices and everything, the Landry administration says that we had a shortfall of $43 billion because the way they showed the accounting and everything because of what they were going to do with the taxes and the moving away. In other words, Republicans, Democrats, independents, whatever the political affiliation, whatever the church, when churches are raising funds and building buildings, Everybody has their hand in the cookie jar. They talk about pork projects or whatever. This is in the defense and that's in the defense. Everybody is watching the other person, but everybody is also stealing and putting away in their own pockets. So the whole system is totally corrupt. This thing with Netanyahu and he's saying he's going to root out evil with Within Parliament, I mean within Palestine, with Hamas or whatever, the people don't realize the way news cycles and things going on now. Mm-hmm. Netanyahu been out of power several different times, and he was on trial for extortion and political corruption. Him and his wife themselves had stole millions of dollars from the Israeli government. Yes, but through a corrupt, a corrupt system. These are the things that happen. So you read of politicians, police chiefs, you read of everybody, but this doesn't say that we should do it. That's why we say every person has to give account of, them, of themselves. How do you deal with political corruption, with social injustice? We see Black Lives Matter. We read the statistics of, about the justice system and how the defense attorneys and they're making a profit out of jailing people in the private enterprise. That's because the whole system is corrupt. Nobody is following the laws according to God. They're not walking in his salvation. So that's why I'm saying, how do we as a church, how that those of God's church coping with social injustice, we shouldn't get entangled in the world's affairs to the point that we're trying to defend these people. I'm not saying it's wrong. There is a certain amount that we should do. I belong to AARP. I belong to certain organizations. I give to help the elderly and all of these things. But we can't abandon what we're doing here at the church. The church shouldn't get involved in becoming a soup kitchen. It is right to feed the needy and help the poor or whatever. But that's not the mission. Remember I said I don't want to get distracted on a rabbit trail. Some people get distracted feeding people or healing people or doing all these things. But Jesus tells us, stay focused on the mission. The mission is to preach the gospel. Salvation, God had put you here for a purpose. 
That's why that those come before him and tell him of a work salvation and say, well, didn't I feed the needy? Didn't I cast out devils in your name? He says, I never knew you because you got entangled in things that was, that was through your pride. You wanted to be seen doing these things. It was through some flaw in you. You wasn't listening at me because when Peter came to me and said, the multitudes are seeking after you. And he told Peter, he says, they seeking after me because I healed them and I fed them. But I came to preach the gospel. My focus is not on individuals. My focus is pleasing the Father. Yes. So when Mary and Martha sent the message, your friend who you seek is dying or sick, come and see about it. Well, he couldn't stop what he was doing to go check and see about Lazarus. That wasn't the mission. Keep yourself focused on the mission of God. On the word of God. So social injustices are going to be here. As my, me and my daughter was talking about this Black Lives Matter protest and what had happened with Alton Sterling or whatever when he was killed or whatever and the people that were protesting down there and going to jail and everything. Mm-hmm. We understand it's unjust. This is an uh, injustice that's going on. But don't you go down there and get caught in a protest and go to jail and get yourself in a whole lot of trouble. Don't get entangled in those things. We see those things. The scripture tells us it's a violent and evil and wicked time that we're living in, but we have to be prudent. And I told you prudence. In other words, the prudence of the whole their peace, it's a time in which there's a lot of wickedness involved but the prudent must learn to hold his peace and seek after God because it's also evil and wicked at times. Yes, yes. It was a Marine, Vittman. The president had made a call to Ukraine trying to bribe a black male, the president of Ukraine. Vittman heard this call, and as a Marine, as part of his character, as a soldier, he had to do something. But he ended up a victim in that. The president and all the president's men crucified him. Mm. That's why sometimes the prudent, we have a a jury system today. Mm. But the reason the witnesses don't come forward is because the witnesses are not protected today. The Duhon family had killed just about every witness in a murder case that they were involved in here. One right down the street here that stayed in this trailer park was found dead on the banks of that river over there Mm. in in Breck. Because the witnesses remain silent because the witnesses are being killed. The law don't protect you. We're in a system, we're in a crime system where there's open murders. Mm. Where you never have a witness, you never have anyone see anything. But God had told us about this. How do we cope with these things? We have to serve the God that we're serving. We have to walk circumspective. But we are part of this community and we're looking for a kingdom and a government where this world's government has to be replaced. We're walking in. 
where God has deemed it our responsibility to be preparing for the coming kingdom, that his kingdom is coming. Isaiah 9, 6-7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, and the increase of his government, and there will be no end upon the throne of David for him. The solution to this present evil world is on the horizon that his kingdom is coming and that we have to walk in this world. We're being trained as a priesthood for the coming kingdom. That's why I say how many people are in churches, how many people are learning the word of God, learning how to tackle and cope with the social injustices that are being done in this world. Because this is a smart and a wicked kingdom. Yes. The kingdom, he says, the children of the world are wiser than the children of the kingdom. This state is in a really horrible position today. It's very dangerous now. But what do we do according to Acts yesterday of prayer? Adore, I praise God, I give him adoration and thanking God for preserving and keeping us that we had the governor that he gave us during the pandemic. If we would have had this governor during the pandemic, we'd have been in trouble. It would have been a lot of us dead today. If we'd have had this government, so we have a lot to be thankful for that this is God's battle And that's why we are praying to be led by the spirit that leads us and guides us. There's fights to be fought. And like I said, we should be engaging in battles, but we shouldn't get entangled in them. Reading about Monique was talking to Taraja P. Hanson or whatever her name is. I didn't forget her name, but, but the lady that's saying about the inequities of the black female actors in Hollywood. Yeah. And Monique was saying that Taraja was a better spokesman and was in a better position to speak on this. But whoever speaks is going to be like Monique. They go crucify you. You're going to be blacklisted. It's going to cost you something. It was just like with Jesus and Stephen. Two of the greatest injustices that was, they murdered him and hung him on a cross Want the greatest injustice in the world, God vindicated him. But Pilate says it wasn't him. It was his own people who did this. Stephen's own people, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, stoned Stephen to death while Paul, hold, Paul held their courts. Paul was a member of the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, which was some of the strictest of the Pharisees. He was a Pharisee, not a Sanhedrin. He belonged to the Pharisees, not of the Sanhedrin. It was two groups there. But they stoned Stephen. They murdered Stephen. But Stephen had to preach the gospel. He had to witness the gospel. So some of us have different faiths a different way. But we have to pray to God that he lead us and guide us and give us the words to say. Those that are going to become a mar or have a sacrifice, he gives us that mentality and that cushion. He shows us and he strengthens us. 
but we shouldn't be ignorant in how we walk. We should learn the word of God and not just fight this battle shooting from the hip. Peter was shooting from the hip. Peter realized he was his own greatest enemy. That he was always putting his foot in his mouth. So Peter ordained deacons into the church because we're doing too much. We can't feed the waters. We can't do all this. The deacons has to be our hands and legs and things. I must give myself to prayer and studying of the word of God. Yes. A lot of us are not doing what we're supposed to do. During the time when Jeroboam took over, the priest had to go to work during Nehemiah's time. The priests were working and everything because they wasn't being supported by the laity. They wasn't being supported by the people or whatever. Just as Paul worked. So we have to learn our purpose and what we should be doing or we will fall horribly short of what God has for us, and we will be part of why the social injustices are prevailing. We can't just sit back and watch TV and lay back and say, I've done my part, I'm paying my tithes, I'm doing this. But maybe you should be a prayer warrior. Maybe God has it for you to be praying. Maybe God has it. Find out what it is that you should be doing. And do it with all your might. Heavenly Father, we come before you this day, Lord God. Hope help us to study, Lord God, about these social injustices that was in the Old Testament that was given for as examples in our admonition, because these times that we're in, they're identical. They are very identical to what was happening.